We are I. Okay, so this is the reason why that I always not hate, but usually try not to talk to people before mm -hmm. because we just had so much great conversation for like the last like 15, 20 minutes. But what we're talking about right now is safe and feeling safe in just the environment that we're in. And why don't we feel safe anymore when we live in one of the safest environments in this world? And I'll never forget like a study that I came across one time where um, so many parents think leaving their child in the car when they run to the store for like a minute or two, they're going to come out and they're gone. But when they ran the numbers in any like westernized city, that's like what is actually safe. It'd take about 60,000 years for that child to be abducted from that car based on the numbers. But we want to think and we're trained in our minds to be able to say, oh, if I go in there for like two minutes, my child's going to be gone and what's going to happen. And do you think there's any degree of separation from that style of thinking to like every other aspect of our life? It's, it's like you said, it's where we're programmed, right? It's, it's the media or the news or social media, the things that create fear in our minds. As, even as a parent, it's, it's scary. We, we read an article where like, this person was just kidnapped and that creates fear in our mind. And the world was a lot safer, you know, and, and there's cases where child, tra child trafficking, child children can be abducted, but it's, it comes down to how our brains are trained in today's world. Um, the way that we were taught, the way that our parents taught us how to treat our children or the way, what safety really is. And it's, it's where we're programmed. And that's just the way that the world is right now. We don't feel safe. I mean, some people feel safe in their home, but I, I technically was raised in, in a really, um, in a city where we can't even leave the doors unlocked. We can't leave our children in the car. We can't leave any items in the car. And that's just the way that we were programmed to do so, to think like that. So it's, it's, it's because we were forced to think like that, to be fearful, to be scared, um, to always be cautious about our surroundings. And I, I don't feel that's necessary mm -hmm. in today's world, but that's just the way we're, we were taught. See, and I often think too, like, can you ever actually develop a concept of feeling safe when you're so focused on being fearful or understanding fear? Like, where's the, where's the bridge to just then being comfortable with being safe if we're always kind of like, well, what's behind that corner? Or, you know, like, I got to lock this door here. Or, you know, like, I can't trust when that person pulls over to help me. You know, like, if somebody's stranded on the side of the road, like, I routinely pull over to help them because I always look at it as putting in good karma credit if it ever happens <laughs> to me. But it's surprising how many people refuse help. They do. And then that's up, that's up to them. But we mm -hmm. did our part by helping them. We did our part by showing them that it's okay to still to continue to help people, whether they take the help or not. And that's another um, situation where, like, you know, we are so trained to not help people anymore because they're so scared and, and feared. And it's regardless of what other people think, I'm not going to change who I am or what I do. If I want to help them, I'll continue to help them. And... And that's just who I am. But it's reteaching your brain. It's learning to control those negative thoughts. It's learning to control that fear in your mind and, and reteaching your brain to be like, it's okay. Whatever is going to happen is going to happen. It's, it's whatever is meant to be is meant to be. But it's reteaching your brain to not think like that. And when these thoughts do come in mind, it's like, okay, what can I do to, 
take control over my mind and these thoughts. Why am I having these thoughts? Why am I scared? And it's it's all about reteaching your mind how to be be safe again in your own environment. I wonder if that's like kind of the root of all the things that we're addicted to, whether it be like, you know, air quotes, drugs or mm -hmm. fitness or fast cars or, you know, like even school, like just chasing away that underlying fear, like we're not good enough or I can do better. Or, what are people going to think? Or, you know, like, and again, that's what we were talking about before is like compassion and compassion kind of being a dirty word and how, well, not to us, but just like when you talk about compassion and love, it becomes like this kind of back against the wall, dirty word. But I wonder if a lot of like addiction is really just based on that. I don't even know how to not fear myself. And I know that, you know, far more about addiction than I do. Like, like, what do you think of that? In, in terms of like the fear and addiction? Well, like the, yeah, like the fear of accountability or the fear of the unknown or the fear of not being good enough drives us down this road of, you know, working 18 hours a day, which then you're just, you know, a workaholic, which is just an addiction to work. Or, you know, you seek out like a, you know, any kind of drugs or alcohol or like fitness or running or like anything like that is just a way to be able to kind of push that little bit of fear aside that you might not quite understand or you might not quite be good enough at something. Or even the fear of not being loved enough. I feel like that's, there's many factors in that. It's your, the way that you were raised, your family history, your environment, where did you live, what did you go through, was there any traumas? And sometimes there's not enough knowledge or there's not enough education or support system where you can kind of seek for help when you're going through these, these problems or these issues. And I feel like we, as, par as a parent, um, if we haven't been through that, how are we going to understand what our child is going through? Or what kind of emotions is this child feeling? And I feel like our, our system, we, we are forgetting about these important things about love and compassion and, and being able to understand what someone is actually going through. And the way that, our, way that certain families raise their children is another factor too, where in our culture, emotions and having a voice is wrong love or um, being open to communication is wrong and i was I, I never grew up like that but i've seen some of my friends that grew up in a very traditional family where they were never able to express how they feel or it was wrong to date and have a heartbreak or you know they dealt with things certain way and and you have to deal with things certain way and I feel like, um, you know, when kids do go through certain things, they're going to ask their friends. And if their friends are doing drugs, and this is how I forget about certain things, or this is how I deal with it, they, they lead to kind of a path where a parent should be teaching you, like, you know, it's okay to feel like that. You're safe, you know, and it's normal where they reach out to their friends. And if their friends are addicted to drugs or um, alcohol, they will slowly kind of start to go that path. And that's where... It's really important to have awareness and to actually take the time to understand what people are going through and for them to for for them to acknowledge that it's okay to have these kind of emotions and having a really strong support system getting the community involved in regards to like you know what are kids going through now really understanding their their needs and and I feel like our generation's changing and there's new new ways and there's new ideas and it's reteaching our brain it's it's all about resetting and reprogramming pro programming our mind to to let letting go of all these fears and if we can if we can teach our minds how to let go of these thoughts and these fears i feel that you know we will have more control over what we do and in terms of 
addiction or alcohol. Like if I pick up a drink, what is, am I drinking for fun? Am I drinking just to have a casual um, social date or am I drinking because I'm hurting? And just being able to recognize what's making you do these things or making you drink or um, trying new substances, what, what's the reason behind it? So don't look at the surface, look at what's below what's really happening deep inside of you. What was your social network like growing up? You know, because like you seem like you kind of came out of like a little bit of turmoil early on in life, relatively unscathed. And I only say relatively because it's like we obviously just met and we, I kind of know like mm-hmm. the conversations that we have and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, like really like when we're kind of left to like our social networks, like, you know, it, we're never under like the best guidance as children. Um, how did you end up here after it all? Or maybe kind of fill, you know, me in on what even happened. I know kind of it's, surface level, but. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a long story. I, my family was very religious. My father was very religious. Um, although my father was raised here, he, he was never controlling or um, we still were able to do the things that we loved. But during, um, at the age of 10, my father was, he's very, he's a human rights activist. So he did a lot of community service and helped a lot of people um, get jobs and find places to stay, uh, find a home for them, create a support system so they have an easier life when they do immigrate from different countries. Um, he was driving one of his uh, neighbors to Alberta to start a new life and he left me in a vehicle with this person where I was sexually assaulted at the age of 10 and I never realized the effects that that would have on me growing up and do I stay silent I didn't know what happened so like do I tell my father or like do I tell my mom my mother is very traditional she was immigrated from India um, in 1983 so she had zero awareness or what to how what to support me with, like how to support me and and where we should go with this and i was told to just to stay quiet so for years and years and years i stayed quiet and even though finally i think at the age of 13 or 14 when i when i realized oh my gosh like this is this is what happened to me like this it affected me through every relationship every every environment and then I reached out to my dad and at that point he's like I don't even know how to find this person and I'm sorry this happened to you but again like they've never dealt with this trauma before in their life or in their family so they're they they were so confused and so lost in terms of what to do so again the first thing that they did was take me to a doctor well you have depression let's put you on antidepressants right and from antidepressant from one medication to another medication I started a lot of self-harm I started cutting myself all over my arms, my body, just to kind of numb that pain, to um, to forget about what happened. But I can I can never forget about it. It was always on the top of my head, and it, it and I was scared to meet new men and to feel safe around a group of guys because I was always scared that this might happen again. And I was so vulnerable throughout my years that I was so easily influenced or manipulated into alcohol and drugs and. Once I started drinking, I would I started doing drugs. It kind of numbed me even out even more. That was my that was my escape. And for years and years and years, I've the doctors just prescribing me. They just kept prescribing me, increasing my dosage. Okay, well maybe she's you know manic depressive now at this point, but not. And I would end up in psych wards and in hospitals from suicide attempts, trying to end my life on medication or through alcohol poisoning. 
and not one single medical staff or a doctor came and actually sat down and talked to me about what really happened what's really going on with you to see a psychiatrist it was like a three to six month waiting list there's a there's a huge time frame there that I could do a lot a lot of damage before I can even make it to my appointment did I ever make it to my appointments no because I was drunk by the time I even got to the six month mark I didn't remember and there was just not enough support for me through that time where I was able to communicate what had happened because there was our, our culture it was a horrible name for the family like my, my my daughter's not a virgin anymore or you know she's she's this happened to her and it's a horrible thing the reputation of the family might go down and there was just so many thoughts of what was happening and and I never realized that I was struggling until in my 20s and I realized I was making these same mistakes in every relationship I got into I always attracted abusive men I always attracted men that needed healing or um, men that were addicts or drug dealers even you know throughout my my years and and then one day I just um, took my health into my own hands I flushed all the pills down and I said I'm not taking any of this and within I went through my own detox at home and I was in a lot of pain a lot of suffering but that's when I realized when I came off the medications I was awake I just, yeah, I just, I can't even, and the reason why, like, it just, it makes my, like, eyes, well, because I have a 10-year-old daughter, well, mm -hmm. she's going to be 10 in July, and, uh, like, it just, it, it scares me to think that that's kind of all of our, like, men and women's first reaction is just not to say anything. Yeah. You know, why, like, just going through it, like, do you know why now you didn't, is it? Because it's not even an age thing. Like at 30, you know, somebody will choose to stay silent. You know, it's not it's not a gender thing. Like, like I said, like men and women both do it. And like for various different reasons across the board, you know, either being like, you know, like a son or a daughter or a spouse or like a friend, like anything. Like it just, it seems like we instinctively stay silent. Like why do you think that is? It's fear. It's the fear. We're scared. You know, how, how, are, how is my mom going to react to this? How's my dad going to react to this? How's my sister going to react to this? It's a fear of being judged. It's a fear of um, not being worthy. It's a fear of, it's a fear of a lot of things. Like it's, you know, your life is never the same. And by telling my parents, is this going to affect anything? Is this going to block my freedom from going out? Are they going to keep me at home? Are they going to lock me up? Or it, it's, it's a fear of being able to express myself to my parents. Um, and because they were so religious, I didn't really think they would understand or being able to understand what I was going through because they had zero knowledge or they've never gone through that experience. And, and I think a lot of it in our culture, it's cultural too, where things are hidden. And no one talks about this kind of stuff. And no one's open to this kind of stuff. And, and kids and women are going through this every day. And India is horrible. Like, for, for rape and sexual assault, um, harassment, where women don't have these rights. So I feel like from my aspect of, of my trauma, it came from, it, it was affected by my culture. It was affected by um, how we were raised, how we were, you know, kept to stay silent. And I think that had a, a huge impact on how this was brought up. Mm -hmm. 
what is like what are some of the things you do with your daughter like you know because like this is like I look at it like you have you've had this experience you have like a great opportunity to be able to help facilitate this new environment with your daughter so you don't end up there but like it's going to be exactly the same as like what we can do for our friends or like what we can do for our parents our parents can do with us or what we can just do amongst each other like it's not a system that would just be for mother daughter like this is just a humanity system like what are what's some of the stuff that you do with her like just to try to facilitate good communication because like my 10 year old like man like I gotta pry things ever that I don't know like what's true or what's not true or what she's just feeding me to shut me up or like like and then I don't want to bombard her too much so like she just you know, gets her back against the wall and then retreats other places like it's just it's such a happy balance or like mm-hmm. it's a really tough balance to be able to maintain well instead of looking at my situation or trauma as a negative experience I've taken that into now a positive experience and having the understanding that maybe I needed to go through that to help other women with it to help other other kids or youth and what they're going through and helping them understand so for years I looked at my trauma as a as a negative situation but I honored it it's honoring what happened to me as um, being able to help other people with this and with my daughter it's really understanding her like finding out when to communicate with her and and really talking about emotions and being comfortable like you're safe so every night before going to sleep I'm, I always say you're safe and I'm safe and and the best time to talk to her is during you know right either first thing in the morning or before going to bed and that's where we have our deepest deepest conversations about life about happiness about sadness and and that's when I feel like she's being completely truthful about how she's feeling or what, you know, how, how was your day and to, and that's her way of unwinding. And throughout the day, you know, it's all about fun and games. She wants to be out, she wants to play. But at nighttime, you know, when she's, um, you know, she's like, mom, can I cuddle with you? I'm like, yeah, for sure. And then we'll talk about things. We'll talk about conversations, but that's her time that she wants to express how she's feeling with me. So I never force it throughout the day because she's so occupied with other things and other activities is finding that time when she's ready to talk to you and then you express how you feel like you're you're good you know that's it's normal to feel sad it's normal to feel like that but you know just to know that you're always going to be safe to tell me whatever you need to tell me and I'll always keep it with me and just knowing that um sharing that you know you can always trust me and you can you can feel safe here and and she'll and she'll say comments like, Mom, I love you. I love you more than anything. And, and just having that understanding. It's all about getting to know your child. When, when is it the right time to talk to her? When is it, you know, when she's angry? Or do I, do I give her some space when she's done something wrong? I'm like, you know, I'm going to give you some time. I'll come back when you're ready. When you're ready, we can talk. And by that time, she composes herself like, hey, Mom, I'm sorry about what I said. But if I had just forced her and be like, talk to me now. Or, you know, how do you feel? And just pushing her to force her to 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 share what she felt and why she got upset and why she acted that way it's not going to get us anywhere and and it's because we're frustrated we're trying to figure out you know what's making her upset but it's just taking that time to allow them to come to you when they're ready how did you get to a a place of such acceptance because like really I, I I know from my personal life that until I get to that place where I can just accept it like there's really no growth that's happening up in there. Like there, I just I'm not gonna get past whatever happened in my life. Like, what did it take for you to be able to get there? How did you get there? Are you there? I guess I should say. You're. You well, we're always gonna continue to heal from the trauma. You never. You can never delete it out of your life, but you can learn to control your emotions towards it. You can learn to control how you feel about it. Some people never come out of it. 
um, some people that I've dealt with, like women, especially with addiction, um, they've had these traumas continuously where they've end up addicts, they turn into prostitutes and they just can't let go. And um, where no matter what you do, they just, they're not able to change the way that they think. Where I had a great support system where my father was an addict and um, he was able to understand me now and my emotions and supports me in a different way. And I, I feel that my family, my friends, they've all known about my trauma where they're able to understand me and in situations where if I am in a group of people or in a group of um, settings where, you know, people are drinking, I'm like, they're, they're, they are, they have that awareness. So if I'm like sleeping on the couch or sleeping anywhere, they, they'll leave me there, but they won't leave me unsupervised. So it's just creating that awareness around your circle, uh, creating the awareness around your friends. I'm like, hey, I've gone through this. So if this happens, can you just, you know, just don't leave me unsupervised or and having that understanding. And I, I think if you don't accept it and if you don't understand it and take it as a negative aspect, that's how your life is going to be. And in, in your in your 20s, it's going to lead to adulthood. And, and even when you are in your 40s or whatever age group you're in if you still can't accept what's happened to you and it's still there you're never going to be able to move forward where i wanted to move forward from it i wanted to heal from it and i i never wanted to look at it as a negative way and forgiveness is a huge thing is learning to forgive that person that did it do you ever get scared that you're gonna like maybe not like like drugs or alcohol or anything like that, but like do you ever just get scared like emotionally you're going to get attached to those feelings again no because i'm learning to control the thoughts that i have it's reteaching my pro reprogramming reprogramming my brain to not think that way and um when these thoughts come i i pick you know i i'm aware of it and i have ways or steps or things that i do to control those thoughts and being able to kind of push them aside and really having an understanding of like what what happened for me to have these thoughts or sometimes you know people will talk about their traumas and it'll come up but it's re-teaching your brain how to think a certain way when you when you were kind of like the worst of the worst like physically mentally and emotionally did you ever think that there was going to be a way out of it no I was I was helpless there was no hope for me in that sense there was I felt hopeless, I felt unworthy, my self-esteem was just gone, um, I just wanted to die. There was, there was no feelings, there was no emotions, I was completely numb to what was happening as, uh, in, in my body, mentally, physically, and emotionally, there was, there was nothing. Why do you think you didn't get stuck there? Just because like, like so many of us do, like even if it, what we've gone through is not that bad or what we're currently doing to ourselves, but like it's so easy to get stuck there, but so much more healthy when we don't. And you think a natural biological process in our minds and our bodies would be like, we should get away from this, but it's really easy to sink deeper into it. Like, why do you think that you had the tools? Like, I guess that's the curiosity to me when it comes to people where it's like, like, why, why you out of the other thousand people that just couldn't pull it off? I had great teachers. When I went through what I went through, when my father became an addict, um, we expanded to more of a spiritual journey where um, I realized what our medical system was like and how we were treated with doctors and, and hospitals. When I decided to kind of be open to more of a natural way of healing, 
Um, I decided to do my own research in terms of resources, going back into my past life, my current life, understanding my family's um, history with addiction, understanding everything that it, I need to know. So I did my own research. I was reading books. I spent a week in the library trying to find books on addiction and how to heal. And I realized when it came to our medical way of healing, it wasn't working for me. And I realized, I'm like, these medications, the way that our medical system is learning, teaching us how to heal, it's, it's not the way I want it to heal. And I think that being open to, everyone's different with the way that they heal or they deal with their traumas. Where I was, I expanded my, my knowledge and kind of did my own research and did what worked for me. And that's where, that's where um, I feel that our program or our certain NA or AA program were so set in those step guides, um, you know, the 12 steps. And that may not work for everyone, but that's what the program is about. And if you're not going to complete the program, well, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to be accepted into this program because you're not doing the work that they want you to do. But people don't understand is that we are so different. We learn differently. We read differently. We understand things differently. Emotions are different. And it's taking each one of these individuals and trying to understand them and understand what works for them. And the NA or the AA program may not work for them, but what's, what are they open to? Um, you know, are they open to going into their past life? Are they open to Reiki healings? Are they open to counseling? Are they, are they open to doing their own research? You know, and, and I feel like even with our medical system, it's, it's this way. This is the way we learned. This is the way our, we, we became doctors because we were reading these textbooks. But no, it's life skills. It's, it's learning what's, what, what else is out there. And, and asking these questions like, what's, what's beyond this? Is there any other programs that are different? Are there any um, teachers that are different? And that's why like every teacher is different, right? They all have a different way of teaching. And it's taking these tools from different teachers and kind of creating your own own method see and what even when you're explaining that there's an error of it that just seems compassionate like mm -hmm. it, in my mind it's like what I kept thinking like as you were talking I'm like it just it seems compassionate and then when you talk about like allopathic medicine and you know like our western way of living mm -hmm. like I think like that's where it starts to fundamentally disconnect it as her because it's when you go into the doctor like there's nothing about that process that feels compassionate mm -hmm. Like, I feel at one time it probably did when the doctor was, you know, like maybe hopping on his horse and riding for 20 miles, you know, through the snow uphill both ways, blah, 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 with no jacket on, you know, like to get to your house, like you're just like, wow, this person really cares about me. But now, you know, when you sit in a, you know, waiting room for two hours and you go in and you have your, I don't know what, three minutes or whatever that you can like list one thing and one thing only. And you're like, well, but what if these four contributing factors all the like you know we maybe we need to talk about all three or four or five of them and like then we can have some resolve it's like nope you're one thing come back book another appointment let's push you out the door mm -hmm. like there's there's no compassion in that at all I don't know if you've ever gone through this uh, this experience but I I mean when I started seeking more natural remedies for certain things you know I I reached out to my family doctor and said I feel like I'm gonna go see a naturopath and I'm not sure if you have ever experienced the comments that a family physician or any of our Canadian medicine or any, any of our Canadian doctors, their perception of naturopaths or the natural remedies or the natural way, um, they're, they're not really recognized as much. And which is really sad because 
you can take a lot of these remedies that can heal, um, you know, without using these prescriptions or these certain type of medications and, and without having to have any side effects from it. But again, it's the perception, you know, and they're not recognized as much as our Western medicine or Western um, style of um, care. So I just feel that it's all, you know, it's, it's cut and dry where it's either this way or that way and there's no in between and I and I feel and it's it's sad because naturopaths will take the time to do your assessment they'll they'll talk to you their assessment they'll take an hour to understand where you're coming from they'll look at your family history they'll they'll understand your traumas and actually get down to what's the the deep like the deep deep you know concerns that we have and emotions feelings depression all of that comes with us as a person but it's not recognized and I've, I've seen many doctors being suspended um, for recommending you know vitamins or a natural way and that's really it that kind of is really disappointing in a, in a sense where you were suspended for this because you recommended this <laughs> that doesn't make any sense but even with everything that's going around and if doctors do speak up or they do talk about what's really how they feel or what's really happening their license might get suspended or they have that fear again it's that fear of what you know well what will people think of me if I treat these patients differently and again it's that fear of am I going to lose my license for this mm -hmm. for recommending this person to go see a natural path or am I going to go go you know seek a natural remedy for this and I feel that this is where our society our world is coming into um, is that we are forgetting about the natural remedies were like even with um, the indigenous community, you know, they have so many great ways of healing and giving and community where it's all being forgotten. And it's all about our Western new modern way of medicine. And the, the part that I find to be the most ironic about Western medicine is when you look at like the oaths that doctors take where it's supposed to be about patient care, mm -hmm. but it is the most ego driven business in like our culture is medicine. Yeah. Like I there's, agree. there's nothing, there's nobody can convince me otherwise. You know, like it's to me, like it's just as like hypocritical as walking into a church and everything's made out of gold. You know, you're like, like, how does that even like fundamentally make sense? Yeah. You know, but like when you walk in and, you know, you have like two or three minutes with the doctor and you only can, you know, talk about one thing and it's all about numbers. And like, like, how is that about patient care? You know, it's, like, it's not. Well, and, and that's and it comes back like one thing that I always ask people is like, why do you think we are so quick to shit on Eastern medicine when it's been around for thousands of years? You know, like Western medicine has been around for a drop in a bucket and like it has its time and its place for sure. But we are so easy to discredit. Like it's this foofy thing that we shouldn't talk about and you're crazy if you do and like there's no validity behind it. Where do you think that came from? Media, government, it's the way we're, we're taught. But there's so many countries in the world that completely validate like an Eastern uh, way of life, an Eastern medicine approach or have a combination between like allopathic medicine and traditional Chinese medicine, you know, but like we don't hear, you know, it's just like this big perch and pedestal that we all sit on, you know, looking down at everybody else. And I think the best thing of like what's probably happened in the last like five years is like the foundation of that pedestal is eroding hard. Mm -hmm. And 
if people can't open their eyes now that we've been led down this like really bad path in Western culture for a really long time, like I, it's gonna be interesting to see where we end up. And that's why like I always love connecting with people like you because it's like people need to understand like that that intuition you feel inside is real. And mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who are feeling it. And there's a lot of people who've taken the next step and are like, I want to talk to other people about it and actualize this. And it's like, it's coming. Like the momentum is coming. Like you can feel it and you can see it like all over the place. But it's like now with like COVID and vaccines and like all that kind of stuff, I feel like that divide is kind of starting to grow a little bit again where like people just want to get back onto the blind trust train, you know, whether it's going to be good or not. And it's like, let's just go back right into the the Western perception. But it's like, it's so corrosive to so many different aspects of our life. Well, look at the choices we have. We're forced to go that route. We're, we're forced to, if you want to travel, you need a passport. If you need to travel, you need a vaccine. So do we really have a choice mm-hmm. in certain situations? I mean, there's people like us that will fight for what we feel that's right. And we will fight for the truth. Um, but some people won't because that's just the easy way. I want to travel, so I'm going to go get vaccinated. Or I want to do this, so I, I have to you know, go through what their requirements are. And again, it's about control. It's about, um, we are in this situation where, and I was talking to this, I'm like, you know, we, we vote for our government. We, we create it. But at the same time, they're trying to control us and how we should feel, how we should um, feel about the situation. And why should, why should you be telling us how we should feel? And um, again, with fear, creating fear and who creates fear media is great for creating fear um you know in the way that they use words is a lot of people don't understand um how to read an article properly without actually looking at the words that they use in the in, in the articles and i'm like you know this is just an accusation it's not it's not true these are just accusations but no i guess says they were they were charged and um no potentially charged but it's these words that the media will use to kind of brainwash or manipulate society now into thinking how we should think and which is really sad because a lot of people won't go out of their way to be like hey listen to the words that they're using listen to the words that they're like really read the article to make sure that what you're reading is is true is it based on facts or is it based on assumptions and um it's all about control money and i mean our pharmaceutical companies are it's a multi-billion dollar industry right so we're like is where is this money going you know who is it who who are these pharmacies or these uh, companies supporting what part of the governments are they supporting so it's really looking down to um what's really happening and being open to it you know not being so blind about certain things and not being able to trust and just really before you before you're i mean these are the questions i ask myself like what's what is it's really taking the time to do your own research taking control of your own health and really not being so brainwashed by what's happening or what's being shown to you yeah you know in like a few things you know like about that just makes my brain explode when people start talking about it's like when also did we get into a culture where like the government is not a representation of us Mm -hmm. like yes we may fundamentally go to the polls and like vote these people in but it was never supposed to be in a way that then they just mandate all of this life to us. It's like, no, no, no. When did the shift happen? And why did, are we that lazy that we just allowed it to happen? You know, like that, that's the part to me that I just, 
I really don't understand. And then it's also these same institutions that are saying like, okay, I'm going to teach you what a bully looks like. I'm going to educate you of what manipulation is. And I'm going to get you to understand peer pressure. And you should push back against all them when you see them in your life. And it's like, well, then you're going to tell me it's the socially responsible thing to do is to get a vaccine these days. Or as a Canadian citizen, I can go right now today to Costa Rica not quarantine, no vaccine, no PCR test, no nothing, but when I come back to Canada, that I have to go into a quarantine hotel that's exactly the same thing as like solitary confinement. I get out an hour a day mm -hmm. as a Canadian citizen, but you're gonna tell me that I don't need a vaccine, but if I get it, I don't have to do that. But like all this, like, like why do we let these things happen? I mean, what's your perception on that? Like, do you agree with that or do you not agree with it? Like, I feel like a lot of people are scared to speak up. Again, if we speak up, we create protests. We, uh, you know, we we feel that we need to bring our um, creative voice into what's right. We're shut down, arrested, charged, or um, threatened. So a lot of people are our society is scared. You know, what what's the outcome going to be of this if we do speak up? Are we going to lose our jobs? Are we not going to be accepted in today's society? Are we are are we going to be judged by our family and friends? Are we are we going to end up even having the same um, circle of friends because our perception of what's going on is so different? Um, but again, like that's where I think we run into trouble is that we all want to speak up about this. We are one community, and now our community is divided. But it shouldn't have to be that way, you know. But even again, like, I'm not vaccinated, where I'll be judged, oh, did you get vaccinated? Why? And, oh, that's the stupidest thing you've said, or that's the craziest thing you've said. Um, I don't think you know what you're talking about. I mean, I have a PhD in this, and, I, and you know, we're shut down by, again, the amount of, the, the amount of education that this person's had, or their position in, in life, or whether they've had a PhD, and then again, what do you have in your life? What kind of certificate do you have? Or are you, you're, you've just, you're just a nurse, like, what, what do you know about what's happening? And, and again, it's about ego and power and the fear of being rejected for, your, for voicing those opinions and for voicing the truth. And that's where you come into problems. Yeah, because we, we live a lot more in a culture now where it's like, I'll tell you when to speak up, mm -hmm. and I'll tell you when it's okay to speak up. And other than that, just kind of shut up yeah. and just go along with mm -hmm. it. And again, it's like, I, I look at all these people who fought for all these like basic human rights for us, or, you know, like all these rights for like women or, you know, like different ethnic communities. And it's like, we just, we allow them just to go by the wayside. And, you know, like I, and even like recently, I've had a lot of conversations about like, can you imagine all these like 16 and 17 year old kids that fought in these world wars to be able to defend all the rights that we are so willing to be able to give up now? Mm -hmm. Like, it just, when's the point and, like, what does it take for people to kind of wake up in not a woke, stupid, hashtag woke bullshit way, but more just, like, be responsible, like, just for what you know is right. And we have this intuition that drives us down this certain road, but, like, we're so scared to listen to it. I think it's the new generation. Like, I moved to Tawasin where the, um, I live with a lot of seniors, and um, it's a very... A community with a lot of seniors but mm. even speaking to them about masks I don't see them wearing any mm. they're like why it's bullshit and my neighbors are great because they're like why should we wear a mask in our own in our own home this was a man-made virus and and I feel like 
the new generation is where we come into problems where they're so they're fearful and where the old generation they're like screw this you know we we are men we are women we will fight for what we need to fight for and they're still living their life the way they want to in their own 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 home and there's us still wearing a mask in restaurants and trying to be the best just to protect our seniors where they're like you know what we're done this is is crap it's actually because like i went on like a two-month rant about this shit when like kind of covid first started and you know people started going back into gyms and when i went to the gym to work out i'm like it's like a senior's home in here Mm -hmm. like it's only people are like 65 70 plus it's all the people we're supposed to be protecting it's like are we protecting them by not going to the gym because they are Mm -hmm. like how does this make any sense it doesn't make any sense there's so many discrepancies with what's happening there's so many discrepancies so many proven facts but again blocked by internet or by our government because they don't want people to know the truth Mm -hmm. why are we the question is why are we not allowed to see the truth Mm -hmm. what is the motive behind that why can't we express what we need to express without having it blocked on the internet why are instagram accounts being blocked for speaking up our freedom of speech is being taken away and you know that's it's being and there and they just keep taking 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 until we're exhausted but the fact is there's certain there's certain people that we're just we're i'm not going to give up and i'm going to keep speaking my truth regardless of what they do and just not being fearful of what the outcome is going to be yeah, and, you, and I think if there's going to be a time where people can kind of latch on to, if I'm just going to protest in my way of just kind of isolating myself to my community of people, you know, that I feel the best around mm-hmm. and just not participate in it. Because I, I don't know what your thoughts and opinions on this, but I feel like if corporate everywhere, not just corporate America or corporate Canada, but if, if corporations didn't have such a, a stronghold or this outside of, um, big pharma, would this have ever been a thing? Because you take a lot of people like blue collar workers, senior citizens, you know, like people who want to live a more holistic life, generally across the board, they're not buying into this shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're just doing their own thing. And they're just like, you know what, keep chirping and making noise. And I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. I'm just not going to participate in it. Like, would this be what it is today? You know, like if we didn't have corporations backing like the fear mongering message i think the world would be a different place mm-hmm. it would feel different definitely like it would it, it would have an impact on the way that we're um the way that we think the way that we do things and these corporations are it's about money control it's when, destroying our society <laughs> yeah. when you had your experience in the hospital when you were young um and then growing up becoming a nurse and spending time in the hospital then and then now knowing what you know now today has it got worse or has it got better i don't think i can ever go back to working in hospitals ever again it's just become the quality of care has just gone down it's become so unethical to even you know administer medications to patients that don't even need them and would i go back to that no i mean COVID hit i had an opportunity to kind of go back into that field even though I was stuck financially but I said no I'm not going to because that goes against my belief system it goes against everything that I believe in all my values and I and I and I was I kept my kept strong and I said no I'm not going to go back it's a very firm no it's like why (laughs) yeah and you know and like that's the where does it where does it go and in a lot of these things being like publicly funded too like really drives me out because again it's 
how many different ways can we see that our dollars are going to fight against us and not actually fight for us, but being told they're fighting for us. A lot of people don't see it that way, though. Yeah, it is true. Because this is like if there was another two people on one of those benches over there, they'd be like, listen to those fucking crazy people Mm -hmm. over there and their conspiracy theories. And, you know, like and I don't like how it's either you're this conspiracy person or this woke person or just this crazy nut job. Like it just like I feel more just a regular human being talking about things that just feel intuitively feel right then it has to be this coined term because then it doesn't become about like your beliefs anymore like i feel it just becomes about this like hashtaggy thing that you want like people want to label us as and it's like no the conversation shouldn't be i have to fight against being a conspiracy theorist when like there's no part of you that kind of thinks that this shit's a little messed up right now or you know like how now all these leading doctors and scientists who are coming out with like this real anti kind of you know vaccination messages and like they're getting pulled off youtube deplatformed off all social media Mm -hmm. like they're not even allowed to have a voice and most of them are like scientific research doctors where they're just like no no like i can talk about this like i spent 10 20 30 40 years researching like I'm the one people need to listen to, or people like me, but you're going to depot for me? Like, how does that make sense? It doesn't make any sense. Again, intuition is not considered normal in today's society. Being intuitive is not considered normal. Um, again, you know, if I told the doctor I, I, it was my intuition, well, what does that mean? Where's the facts? I'm sorry it didn't come out of a textbook. So, you know, it's, it's literally comes down to, we are not accepted in today's society. People like us are not accepted and, and the government makes us feel that way. And it, and it, it's teaching our generation to feel like it's, that's not normal to feel that way. And it's, and it's not, you know, you're not normal or you're crazy, or you're probably diagnosed with something else because you have this intuition or you're, you're able to sense things before things happen, or you just have a bad feeling about this, but no, that's not allowed. Well, and I always say to people, I'm like, if we, if intuition wasn't a huge driver of our lives, would we all be here today? Because like a Western way of looking at things hasn't always been around. And there was hundreds of thousands of years where we intuitively had to be like, oh, there's probably not much food left here. I'm probably going to have to pack up and walk a little further over there and then make my little camp thing and then look around for food again. Or like this water kind of tastes funny. Maybe I shouldn't drink it anymore. Maybe I should go find some other water. <laughs> like our intuition has what have built us into this. And then we get to this point where like, well, we know so much better than our intuitive experience. Like it's just, there's like that part bothers me so much. I feel like it's what has led me astray in my life mm-hmm. so much because I'm like no I don't really feel like this is right you know and I'm like I'm gonna say something and it's just like oh there's Blake making a big deal about shit again and like oh there's Blake you know being stubborn and it's like no 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 like why does it have to be like a label like because it doesn't sound the same as the air coming out of your mouth like it has to be something but like you said like it's just there's this ad message and if it's not that message that you're saying like you must be crazy well, look what the government's doing with welfare. It's it's making, I mean, I'm not against welfare. It should be there for people that need it. But it's making our society lazy. And people are getting comfortable being on welfare because they don't need, they don't need to work. And dealing with addiction, 
majority of the patients that are coming in in welfare. But getting them to go get a job now, it's it's like, oh, I can't do this. It's too much work. Or, you know, I, I can't do this. I'm good with welfare. It's free money. And it's like, why? If homelessness, I mean, if our ancestors can go out into the forest and, you know, have these life skills of how to create their own home, would people be homeless? If they had the life skills to be like, hey, this, why don't we have courses to how to create your own home, how to build your own home, or, um, you know, how to camp, or how to... Um, hunt for your own food and we're these survival skills we don't have that in society anymore it can be you know and it's, it's it's we're being forced to be lazy be comfortable where we are and and getting people to get a job and not being stuck on welfare or disability being able to teach them like it's okay to work but can they do it can they actually go out and do it well, and that's always been like the big criticism behind all this free COVID money. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what's the incentive to go back? So, so say you make you know ten percent, twenty percent, thirty percent less. What's the incentive to go back to work? And then, how much pushback do you create from people when you know, like you turn that government tap of you know publicly funded you know money off of like people not having to work, but then creating the the anxiety, the work related anxiety, and the social anxiety over both those were a lot of people wanting to go back yeah you know like that you made people fear something so much and then you're just like no no no, wait i'm gonna turn i'm not gonna give you any more money anymore and you should also subsequently stop fearing this thing that i've told you to fear so you can go back and do the thing that you don't really feel is right anyway mm-hmm. like it's just it it's such a just my mind doesn't know how to process information that doesn't make sense to that degree and I don't know why when I look around at so many people and I was like, this makes total sense. I'm like, what fucking planet do you live on that this makes total sense? Because like I can't rationalize irrational behavior and it scares me that so many people can't. No, and, and it's, well, they're highly medicated from the majority of the part, right? And where you're on antidepressants or certain medications where they're not able to think like that. They're, they're can they think like that? Is your mind capable of thinking like that when they're on these medications or certain things of life that they're on or situations where they can't control or they they're not open to that because they're just you know we don't really know the incentive behind it but I know like when I'm talking to certain people that are coming in into recovery or with that are addicts they're the way that they came in with these medications I'm talking to a completely different person when they're off of the medications and the complete 360 that happens. And, and I recognize some of these women I still talk to today. They're like, this is insane. Like we were highly medicated. We replaced one addiction with methadone or we replaced another addiction with food. And, and, and when they've actually healed and they understand what the government or what our medical system was doing, they, they are like voicing how they felt through that time period. And, and it's not the same person. And it's really just, you know, it's it's sad that our government's doing this to us and it's sad what's really happening and if we're not we're not aware of it and people aren't waking up and it's still will be controlled. Controlled the way we think, how we sleep, how we eat, our emotions aren't gonna be accepted and, and it's it's messed up. <laughs> what are some of the things that you've um, come across that have actually really helped people with addiction versus just here's this, you know, this binder with these hundred pages in it and you know go through step one then step two then step three like when you've broken past that mold like what are some of the things that you found have been like the most impactful like either big or small time 
and love. It's teaching them how to love themselves, emotions, things that our government doesn't give us. Um, great teachers, taking the time to understand each and one of your patients, taking the time to read what they what they what their intake is about taking the time to understand their background understand who they are um, it's all about understanding and when you understand your patient you understand what they're gone through you're able to create something that works for them not a general program that you have to follow this binder and this is what you're gonna do these are our policies no every patient every everyone is different and taking that time to really understand. And if you've got 10 patients, I find that having a smaller group of people at a time when it comes to addiction is really helpful. Rather than having 30 to 40 people, you pay $30,000, it's all about money. No, you put the money aside. If you're if you're in this business or you're in this, you know, this service of healing and you want it to come from a really good place, you make the groups a bit smaller and put the money aside and really take the time to understand them and help them and understand their needs. Do you think that we can live in a world, and you know, obviously it's like one of those like kind of massaging processes that takes over time, but like, I guess more like the question is, in the world we live in today, can we actually really love one another without being like this um, like hippie swinger kind of image that most people like probably have of like most people are just like you know i just want to like love people i want to meet people because we talked about that before about mm -hmm. like it's the you know it's like a there must be like some agenda if like you know a man and a woman you know are you know getting together and sitting down or like you know you can't have female friends you can't have male friends or like there's just this kind of wall around like us just kind of cohesively loving each other unless if you're just some backwoods hippie then you must be living in like some commune See, that, that breaks my heart because that, we were speaking about that earlier where I was at, you know, a, an event where people take our kindness as a way of flirting or getting, getting with them or taking them into a bed or sleeping with them. Um, and that breaks my heart because I'm not that type of person where people will perceive me as that. They get that vibe or they, they see me as this, you know, sex symbol where you, she's, she's really nice. I wonder if she's trying to flirt with me. But no, that's not the case. But as long as you set your boundaries and you create that awareness ahead of time, like, you know, I'm kind and, but it's just really, even if I'm in that situation, it's, it's no, I'm kind because of this reason. And I'm not going to change who I am because you try to flirt with me or, you know, you you took it the wrong way. And it's, and instead of looking at it as a negative way, or they might feel threatened by the rejection, it's trying to teach them like, Hey, I'm kind, but that's just who I am. I'm not trying to flirt with you. And it's okay to be like that without having that assumption. And it's and it and and yeah, I agree. Like it, we can be that way. But it again, it's communication, communicating it, and bringing that awareness into your group ahead of time. Mm -hmm. It's just such a, and I guess yeah, from when we're talking about like our communities and stuff. But it's just like, is it our Western perception? Like, is it just like here? Because like I know, like I remember having a client once that. Um, so she was Christian and her husband used to be Muslim and then he converted to being Christian, but she still wasn't allowed to do yoga based on his Muslim beliefs. And because it had too much of a sexual undertone to it. Hmm. So I'm like, is that us here? Is it like, 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 I don't know, like, 
it is is it based on culture mm-hmm. i mean if i'm going i mean a perfect example is i the amount of people that will stare at you wearing shorts in a temple mm-hmm. <laughs> or um you know where looks it it's it's our culture and the way that we were we were raised in the way that it's always been i mean i went to germany and um my father was never like that. We're allowed to wear whatever we wanted to wear. And he, he told me a very good story. And I, I was in shorts and I wanted to pray and, you know, visit the temple. But I wasn't allowed to because I was in shorts. You had to dress a certain way. But I'm like, I'm here to pray the same intention that all of you do without being judged of what I'm wearing. And even though the, this person, like, there's some extra clothes here. And I decided to put a pair of pants underneath my shorts. But even then, I the amount of looks and the comments that I got when I when I went for a visit and I was telling my dad the story and he's like you know what he's like your intentions are good he's like don't don't you know let that get to you and you were there to pray and that people need to understand that if they really follow what religion is or they really read what the religion is about this wouldn't have a problem it's they get mixed up with culture and religion and and their personal beliefs and our cultural beliefs and all of that is just a bunch of crap <laughs> you know and I even when I was married I, I never follow, followed any of our cultural events or anything like that I said this is the way I want to do it either you respect it or you don't and fa- obviously families came into disagreements but we were you know I'm like I don't, I don't need to follow any of this I don't need to have five pre-wedding events for the sake of culture and I shouldn't have to go through all of that and spend all this money for that you know I'd rather utilize that money towards a property or something that I can give back to the community or do something with it rather than spending thousands and thousands of dollars because it's cultural and it's getting and people are getting that mixed up with what's right and wrong and they're saying it's it's against our culture well I don't, I don't care about that mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about what you think or it's culture I'm I'm doing this because this is my belief system and and I can go on for hours about how religion divided us in so many ways and everyone has their own perception about what religion should be and um I took the time to understand my religion and it's it's beautiful it teaches us how to be good people and give back and um, how to fight against darkness and stories about what everyone went through or and our gurus who are teachers taught us how to be better people in life how to grow how to see what's beyond this this earth to see what's beyond the universe to to have a better understanding of it but then you look at someone that goes to the temple every day that prays but then you look at it, this is just a routine for them. What are they actually taking home with them? Are they actually understanding what they're reading? What are they praying for? So there's so many, so many factors that come into that question. <laughs> well, in, so like my, my thing with like religion and faith is that I find the greatest irony across the board with all of them mm-hmm. is that if you preach that you're not supposed to be judging then exactly. why does everybody judge? It's the root of religion is to judge. Like either you're being judged in your own religion or you're judging people in others. And I'm like, so that's why I always say like, is I'm not religious. Like I grew up like I, for the first couple of years of my life, I was at a Catholic school. My mom was Anglican. We went to church as soon as I could stop and she didn't force me to anymore. I was done with it because the one thing that I realized now is like, I have some great Christian friends but I went then exclude my Catholic friends and like my kids are Muslim Mm -hmm. and I have some great Buddhist friends and like does that mean I should just naturally have a disdain 
for all of these people because I don't follow a religion. Like, I just, to me, it just, again, like, just trying to make logic out of illogical theory doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me either. I, I came from a very religious family, and in my recent meditation, I was meditating, and I decided in my meditation, what came out of it is religion kind of divided our community because everyone had their own perception of what God or faith should be like. They had their own ways and of how we should be or how we should live. And I feel like religion should teach us how to be better, the best version of ourselves, what we should do. We should pray, but pray to who? And I feel like religion, um, you know, there were so many wars, so many people got killed, you know, how could that be a part of what God wants? Or is that even... um, all these wars should have never happened due to religion. But again, is it over power? Is it over control, money? Like what's, what's the motive behind it? And if it's, and I feel like if some religions are like, you can't, you know, have a blood transfusion or, you know, you can't go to a different church. No, why not? Or even like, look what's happening right now. They just found those other 751 bodies in Saskatchewan at that residential mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. Like, if that's not the epitome of how gross religion is, yeah. or how gross religion can, can be, be. Mm-hmm. like, I don't know what is. And how there's an underlying tone of no accountability, mm-hmm. like, it's just mind-boggling to me. Like, how, when do you not look in the mirror and be like, this is how we've acted in the past, maybe we should try to start changing the way that we think or changing the way that we're going to model people to be because we're still kind of raising people in those same systems. Because when I think of religion based on what I, I thought I was told as a kid is that you should be able to have a representative from like all these different religions, not at the upper echelons Mm -hmm. but as the common folk and they should all be able to sit at the same table and have a bunch of peace and harmony because they should all understand that they are not supposed to be judgy they're supposed to be accepting and like this is my fellow man this is my common brother but you put all those people together and you just throw that match on the ghastly and be like hey what do you think of god or what do you think's religion or like what and it's just like it's bananas after it's just like i don't understand that I get so lost. I did. I mean, I used to get lost about what religion was until I went and decided to make the effort to be like, let's let's read what my religion is about, you know? And when I started reading, I actually started, every time my father would make a comment, I would correct him. And I'm like, you know, Dad, you can't judge psychics or you can't judge somebody that's going to do palm reading. Our religion teaches us not to judge. And he appreciated that. He's like, thank you for reminding me. And it's just correcting people the way that their mind is so set to be like judgmental on, you know, their perception of witches or what witches used to be like. And I feel like everyone that created peace or created us closer to what religion was, they were killed. Jesus or, you know, and then people took over what religion should be because of power or you would use these names to create this empire the church or whatever they needed to by using you know the name of Jesus or the name of this to create this community but again is it to bring us together or is it to put us against each other what is their motive and I feel like this is just in my meditation this is going to sound crazy as it sounds you know I told this story to many people and they're like you're crazy you're losing your shit but in, in my meditation when I was meditating 
I traveled and I went and traveled outside and all like traveling in stars. I'm like, where am I? And I had this conversation. And it was a voice and it's like, you know, and it was like, I, you know, I am God and I am sick and tired of sending people there to heal the world that get manipulated by these dark, dark corporations, these dark people. And some of these people that um, come to this world as healers that are manipulated by environment or alcohol or drugs then turn into this um, powerful person where people can believe them or we think that we can trust them because they're healers or they're religious. No. Who said that religious people can't have a dark side or do dark things like, you know, a lot of um, kids are molested in, in some churches or molested in our in our community as well. And But again, it's like, are these people actually following their religion or are they, they were at one point following their religion and then were completely brainwashed or completely all their all their light their love whatever they had now is darkness and that kind of when it when that message came to me it changed my entire perception of what religion is and I'm realizing this I'm like it separated us it divided us in many forms and ways because nobody actually understands it or the concept of it and, and everyone has their own version of what religion should be like. And I feel like people are creating their own rules, their own, their own books and their own Bibles and, and making their own, their own, you know, um, religion. But are they actually like understanding it or they're, what are they, what are they preaching? What are they teaching these people? And, and, and I think it's, it's very confusing for most of us because when we wake up or when we're like we start questioning these things we're like we're told to you're wrong this is this is the way that this book says this is the way you're supposed to be again it's society you know it's it's the way culture falls into part and so many other factors that come into part that change our perception you know and i always i always think too like when we ever whenever i get into talks about like religion with people is that mm-hmm. like why do you think that human beings were given so I, I say this because I believe this and it's really hard to steer my opinion on this mm-hmm. feel free to if you want to uh, or you can um, why do you think that we were as a human race not given the tools to be able to properly understand how to utilize power good question never thought about that because like absolute power always mm-hmm. absolutely corrupts mm-hmm. like there's there's very little example of how that doesn't happen like it, it's it's almost like one of the guarantees of life that power will absolutely corrupt you like we have we have no tool to be to leverage say this is how i yield power like you know if i'm going to go into the world and mm-hmm. I have all this power to have all this influence this is how i responsibly do that like it just it's like the one thing that we're born without or well one of the is it's just it's something that affects so many people's lives because we don't have the tools to be able to manage power do you know what i have to agree with you on that i never that's one question that never even crossed my mind is that we were never given the tools to how to control power and then like you exacerbate that into having this global community huge urban centers you know massive influence and it's like you know not to pick on people who are alcoholics but it's like sticking an alcoholic in a liquor store with no employees and just saying like go ham like whatever you want they just like there's gonna be that point 
where you just can't control it anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's like what power is to us. And now we're at this world stage where it just, it makes so little sense that anybody should be in power because it is just, or have any position of power because it just, it polarizes people to such a degree that we're gonna get to this like weird like point of potential no return. And you can kind of see how there's like a big step like moving towards that. And that's what I say to people like in my definition of that is the influence of Western culture. Because mm-hmm. like there's nothing that corrupts this planet more than Western culture. Like I don't like I live in Western culture. I was growing up in it. I traveled the world. I love the world. And the more I travel the world, the more I'm just like, wow, mm-hmm. like this is the shit that we've done to the world. Like there's just it, we have taken this position of powers. So we built this imagery around what Western culture was. And then made everybody else like, well, not everybody, we made the majority of the rest of the world hungry to be able to have this. And, you know, like, and that's what I find to be the most ironic part about people blaming China for wanting to take over the world, you know, air quotes, take over the world. But it's like, people in Western culture kind of taught them how to do it. Yeah. You know, like, if we just left people alone to be able to do their own thing, and we weren't trying to have this massive influence and gain more market share and all this kind of, like, there'd just be a lot more harmony. There would be. I agree with you. There'd be a lot more peace. A lot of people would be in their own direction instead of the followers. You know, a lot of people would have their own sense of mind and um, with decisions and, and choices that they make in life. But again, like, I completely agree with you. It's a very strong point that you made across. It's, it's power. And a lot of people are using power and abusing it. And that's happening in, even in third world countries like the farmers protest. You know, they're, the government's using power against so many other things. And, and now they received this article where they're saying if schools don't stop teaching about, you know, stop talking about this, we're going to, it's going to ruin the relationship of India and Canada. So it's like, that's a threat, you know, it's power. And, and, and it's being used in a very, very wrong way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ask you an interesting question. I can't remember where I heard this, but it actually made me really stop and think. Because I, I, I feel like this is kind of like a base behind this. Is who was the first person who valued gold? And how did they convince everybody that was worth something? That's just a materialistic item where I don't really I know. <laughs> no, but, like, but you can kind of see, like, mm-hmm. for one, it's not like gold doesn't grow on trees. No. Like an apple. So it's not like you can walk by and you're like, wow, that apple is so much more shiny than the other one. Like, and people are just like, that shiny apple is awesome. Like, I want that shiny apple, not the red one. So, like, you can kind of see a value system, but, like, like you have to harvest gold. Mm -hmm. So, at one point in time, somebody dug deep enough or whatever. And found gold. And found Mm -hmm. gold. And then was like, there's going to be so much of this gold that I'm going to, like, start this process of that. I'm going to make things out of it because... Because it actually doesn't make sense to make anything out of gold because it's not durable. Mm-hmm. So, like, I like, I don't even, like, my mind just kind of spins a little bit like a hamster wheel. I'm just like, how does that even make any sense? It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. That's but, why I never really... But when you look at it, though, it's like, mm-hmm. those are kind of like the roots of that power-related system. Power-related, yeah. I'm going to find something to force people to value so that... I can understand how to be able to control those people because of this system that I've created. Yep, even diamonds in Africa. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all, it's about control and power. 
at the end of the day, it's controlling people, like how, how much it should be worth putting your price tag on it and putting their own price tag on it, right? And, and, and that's almost like the Bitcoin. <laughs> Same similar, similar theory to it. It's like, this is what it is and it's power. Yep. Yeah, and well, in like the nice thing with like Bitcoin, I guess, and maybe the concept is more. I have absolutely no mm-hmm. idea. I don't follow, it, but it's kind of more like trying to like decentralize all these power-related financial systems and yeah. stuff, right? But um, one thing I want to cover before we wrap this thing up is like, what are you doing with kids to be able to help with the next generation coming forward? Because that's something that's so huge to me, and one of the things that really drew me to wanting to have this conversation with you today. So for kids, really. Um, understanding your children, their needs, um, instead of our needs. I mean, a lot of parents will force their kids to attend sports, keep them busy with numerous activities. But really, is this child being allowed to do what they want to do? Are we allowing them to make their own decisions? Or are we making them decide? Are we deciding for them? And I feel like our youth is really, uh, we're lacking a lot of support. Our youth is our our future. And um, creating programs that can help them understand, like, you know, incorporating meditations and incorporating yoga and programs in schools and and having a strong support system for kids that are um, born with special gifts. And even like autism or ADHD, um, you know, that's the Western version of what these diagnoses the diagnosis could be but what how how do we know that they don't have a special gift that they're bringing into this world and having a strong support system in schools and and recognizing that some of these kids are gifted and being able to bring that gift into reality without them having to be judged or not being recognized is going to be very very important and allowing them to have a voice allowing them to embrace who they are is really important and and allowing them to be free without having these fears of vaccinations without having these fears of certain things that they're gonna you know come across in life and our youth or our children are so important and if we don't fix what's happening now things are only going to get worse in the future why do you think there's a value to taking kids into the backcountry? Oh, backcountry. Well, A, um, these, these kids will learn about life skills, you know, which our culture and our community is lacking. And if I, if I ask my father to start a fire, he'd look at me like, I don't know how to start a fire. So, you know, backcountry, hiking, things like being in nature really um, can help kids with depression anxiety can allow them to see a different perspective of life and we're so i feel like we're so congested into the city life that we are forgetting what the benefits of nature can do and benefits of hiking benefits of camping our kids are lacking that and you meet people um and and you're like do you hike and they're like no we're, we're scared of bears or uh no there's way too many bugs or there's way you know, no, we, we, we can't do that. We're, we're okay going to a bar and, and going out to a nightclub and dancing, but we're missing that aspect of our life. We're missing that aspect for children, and it's so important for them to have that experience to be able to recognize that, you know, they are safe in this environment as long as they have the tools to survive. And providing these tools to kids, whether they use them in the future or you don't, we are still able to share 
these tools with them so they can kind of decide what they want to do with them. And they have these skills and, and that's how I fought my depression. And, and that's how I fought my, my self-harm is that I started hiking. I started spending t a lot of time in nature and in silence and in, in being quiet. And I started to, I started to reflect on my life and started to think about what's really happening with me and all these ideas and all these um, visions and everything that I'm going through. It's all because of, of nature. It changed my life and it's, and it's changed everyone in my family. My father hikes and does the grouse grind, you know, three or four times a week. And it's helped with his addiction. It's helped with his self-esteem, his self-worth. And, you know, it's changed his, his life entirely. And any, and in my program with, um, with addiction as well, that they, it's mandatory for them to spend one hour a day somewhere in nature. But again, with COVID. Yeah. It's hard with the rules and regulations, but um, that being said, it's very important for them to have that aspect of life too. Do you think we become more disenfranchised with ourselves as human beings the more time we spend in urbanized environments? Yeah. Yes, you do. Why do you think that more... Well, and I guess it's kind of... So in BC, this is kind of like a, a generally bad question to ask because a lot of people in BC do. But why do you think that a lot of people push back against nature like what you just said? Like, like arguably more women would be willing to be subjected to getting sexually assaulted in a nightclub, mm -hmm. being drugged or, you know, anything, than to go into the backcountry into the fear of, like, running into a bear. When I'm like, no, 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 like, come on the hike with me and you may see a bird mm -hmm. if you're lucky. Like, let's be real. Like... Yes, you see on the news the bears are coming off the mountain and climbing in people's garbage cans. Or, like, you know, for the amount of people that spend time in the backcountry on the weekend, you might hear one person get mauled by a bear a year. Like, the percentages are so low that, like, people just... I'm going to share a funny story with you. Because when I first, when I started hiking, my mom freaked out. Freaked out. Would call me. My phone didn't have service was freaking out, you know, had an intervention with me that she's scared that something's going to happen to me. It's that fear of like, you know, what if you go missing and never come back? And, and so for years, my mother had this huge anxiety about me getting out in nature. And I reassured her and said, Mom, I have a satellite phone. You can track me when I'm going in the backcountry. And you can, you know, I'll contact you when I leave and I'll tell you where I am. But again, it's education. It's, it's, it's the circle that I, none of my friends hike. In high school, we used to pick up a bottle from the liquor store and, and drink in a parking lot. That's all we knew, right? That was and, a high school thing. And we that's all high did school. That shit. It's, yeah. it's like what high schools teach you programs about camping and hiking. I never went to a high school that taught me any of that. I never went into an elementary school where we, we went on field trips every year, maybe once. I think I just, I, yeah, I think I just went camping once. And again, it was in a cabin. Yeah. Like what part of that system do you think, you know, like it's, it's our, it's our, it's our educational system that should be teaching us these things. And we never taught that. We were taught to drink in a parking lot and smoke pot. Yeah. Illegally. Yeah, that was all, <laughs> yeah, like that was all of us at that, that age, right? Where it's like, and then the cops will chase you from one parking lot to another parking yeah. lot. <laughs> Which is the irony because most of all the kids who are driving have been drinking or smoking yeah. weed. So why not just let them stay at the one parking lot and maybe just manage it a little bit better instead of chasing everybody around. Um, but it's just, it, 
it is like that though where like you realize like like what are we actually really teaching children you know like when we have the opportunity to be able, like as adults we're just like oh i feel so much better when when i do this when i get out in nature and you know like i i spend time being connected with other biological life and then we're just like ah that you know kids will be good i'm just going to drop them off at school today and forget all about that because it's some other person's problem or you know like i want to do it but it's just it's too hard it takes too much effort but the out will do spend countless hours on instagram and facebook feeds and you know youtube videos and netflix and all that kind of stuff but it's social media social media has ruined a lot of our kids here you know we have to look a certain way or we have to do certain things to our body to be to feel beautiful to feel like we're gonna fit in and hiking is not something that you know our society will accept or it might be rejected by many of our friends and i know like most of my friends don't hike and and when they do take them on a hike they're like we're done we can't we don't have the fitness levels to to keep going but i think if we brought this system back into our school or we started teaching kids and just not you know making it once in a once in seven years of your education system and just bringing it out in the summertime like a few times a year so they they're taught it's it's not and it shouldn't be optional it should be mandatory and none of these kids have the life skills to survive in the in in the wilderness no what like if you if you put a group of five people from the city into the wilderness how many how many of those people are do you think are actually going to be able to survive Mm -hmm. what what are they what what kind of tools do they have to actually survive they, and it's funny, like, even the adults that think that they know when they get back there, it's like the wheels are just completely yeah. off the bus. But those kids, even if they spend 10, 20, 30 years not doing it, when they did it as a child, when they get back into it, it's the proverbial, like, it's like riding a bike. You just yeah. kind of hop on and keep on going. Like, like those, those tools and those resources never leave us. So not instilling that in children, like, we're, it's like, well, yeah, it is tough to think about putting, you know, maybe like your son in scouts after we found out that half of all boys were assaulted in the scouts program through a, like a couple of decades ago and stuff. But it's like, what's the better version of that that we can do now where that won't happen to children, but we still give them that opportunity? It's kind of seemed like there was like, when the wheels came off the bus, we just shut everything down. And it's like, well, here's a phone instead. Exactly. You know, like we need to kind of get back into like, technology. you know, yeah, like, like yes, we do need programs like Scouts and Girl Guides because, like, kids were doing all these things. I, and I remember growing up, like, you couldn't wait to be a Scout or you couldn't wait to be, like, a Girl Guide and grow out in Southern Alberta anyway. But um, but it was just, it was, like, it was almost like a rite of passage at a certain age where you could join one of those programs. And it was almost kind of weird that you did it. Well, again, if you join one of those programs, you'd be called a nerd, a yeah. geek, made fun of, bullied. Yep. So, are you actually technically going to be accepted? Yeah, true story. <laughs> true story. Right? Are you are you going to actually be accepted? Like, um, if I show up to the beach with um, a certain outfit, all all my friends till this day, I'm 37, will make fun of me. Why are you wearing that? I'm like, because it's me. Well, that's that's doesn't look nice. I don't care. <laughs> so, are you going to be accepted in today's today's society if you go that way? Yeah. Are you going to be labeled as a hippie or maybe like a hiker or a bum or whatever you want to be labeled as, whatever people label you as that. But I, I've, I've suffered through many years of being bullied because I was different. But I want society to recognize that it's okay to be 
in that, um, you know, it's okay to be in nature without having to be bullied. It's okay to attend those programs without having to be made fun of. And just bringing that, changing the way our system is teaching our kids. Yeah. Phones, social media, Facebook, Instagram, and all these, you know, I'm, I'm not against the Kardashians, but I just feel like they've ruined how women should look like today and, and, and the way that women are accepted. I just feel like women need to feel beautiful. Kids need to feel accepted. They need to feel that they are loved for who they are and they shouldn't have to feel that they needed to change any part of themselves just to be accepted in today's school system for that purpose. You know, they, we should make them feel authentic. We should make them feel different and, and not look the same and not have to worry about Botox and fillers and any, any of that kind of stuff and just being natural and just being unique because I don't want to look the same. And I teach my daughter, I'm like, you dress the way you want to. I let her pick her clothes in the morning and she does a great job, even though like, you know, it's may not match, but it's her and I don't care. And I tell her, I'm like, you, what, what do you want to wear? Like, you know, instead of me always picking her clothes, she's at that age where I want her to be independent, where she's, I want her to feel accepted that it's okay. But you know, if, if she's wearing something inappropriate for weather and I'm like, Hey, you know, it's raining outside. Do you want to wear something a bit more warm? And why don't you pick something out of here? And she'll pick her own clothes. It's allowing these kids to be okay with what they choose or what they, how they dress, how they feel. And I feel like that's missing because of technology and social media. And I feel like we all want to be the same way. We all want to look the same way. And we all need to, you know, have these $5,000 bags or $6,000 bags, which I went through. I've, I've went through all of that just to feel accepted, just to feel accepted in the circle of friends that I have. And now that I, you know, gone through that phase where I've had Chanel bags or whatever, I don't care for it anymore and never will. It's just materialistic. And I feel like when I changed my, the way that I think I'm able to help my daughter accept who she is for, for who, for who she was, you know, who she wants to be. Yeah. And that's why I always say nature is my homeboy. Yeah. Nature being in yeah. nature is where it's nature is my home. And it's so important for kids to recognize that, especially in the world that we live in today. It's a way to get away from the city, a way to get away from corruption, disaster, yeah. power, ego. There's none of it in nature. Absolutely. It's just you and, and the trees. Absolutely. You and the trees. And I the like trees. it. That's a great way to be able to wrap this thing up. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.